0: All I'm saying, you never know what someone's going through. Just because they look happy doesn't make it true. Hopefully this podcast will help you see. You are not alone, you at least got me. We are more alike than you may know. But if we stay quiet, we will never grow. So never give up, because you got this. If you quit, think of all the opportunities that you could miss. everybody and welcome to Authentic Points of View. I'm so excited. I'm your host as always, Danielle Boer. And today's guest is so awesome. And I'm excited to talk to her. And she is like, she does a lot. So I love (laughs) talking to people that are so talented and awesome. Um, so this episode is for Hispanic Heritage Month. If you've been watching, you know that I'm trying to do a specific theme each month. And so let's not celebrate. I'm excited about celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month and talking to her. So Adriana Cabanas, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yay. Thank you for... Coming on. And um I'm always transparent. So this was also last minute. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so I'm so honest with stuff. And um that's what happens when you're trying to juggle everything. It's like, thanks sure, yep. So yeah. I'm excited to have you. And um, we're on the same coast. I'm in the Georgia area, so I'm just like one state above you. By I'm close to Atlanta though, so I'm pretty north Georgia. Um, so you, if you want, you can just kind of like introduce a little bit of your story of, um, what age you were when you came to the United States and, um, where you came from and then where your dad is from, please. Okay.
1: (laughs) So I was born in Venezuela in the capital, uh, Caracas and I came here when I was three years old. Um, we migrated to Miami, Florida. And after that, um, we went up to Broward, which is like 45 minutes away from Miami. Um, my dad's background is from Barcelona. And he uh, actually, he'll get mad at me if I say Barcelona. He wants me to say Catalunya because technically it was first Catalunya, then it was taken over. Um, and of course, there's there is always that civil war between them. But uh, but yeah, so he actually speaks Catalan. My mom speaks Spanish. And mm-hmm. my first language was kind of like an in-between of both, but mostly Spanish because my dad speaks Spanish and Catalan, and my mom speaks only Spanish. So, um, so Spanish was my first language. And I remember, you know, when I got here, I mean, I don't have like a huge recollection of it. But I remember being in in school and, you know, having this sense of I'm in a different place. And, you know, even people couldn't really pronounce my name. Um, because my name is actually Ariana. And that's not easy to uh, pronounce, I guess, the easiest way would be to go more in the direction of saying Ariana, but, um, they didn't catch on to that. And so everyone just started calling me Adriana. (laughs) And so (laughs) I kind of adapted to that name because I was too young to know the difference. And I just, everybody was speaking in a different language and I was like, okay, so I guess this is my name here. And so I just, I did become very much a part of the American culture in due time. And, and now I, you know, don't, I, I don't, really remember where you know I was born and I've gone back there, and it's it's very foreign to me, which is which is interesting and sad at the same time because I want to relate to it, but it's just so different from what I'm used to now, so um it's definitely kind of a um, a weird place to be when you can say, well, my life went two different directions and You know, where I was born from. I don't think people have that kind of um retrospective viewpoint of their life.
0: Yeah, that's awesome though. But the fact that if you remember anything from when you were three is pretty good (laughs) because I don't remember diddly squat from (laughs)
1: <laughs> that I, mean, like, I wouldn't say three i would say maybe like you know four or five or yeah. i remember being like in kindergarten or, or something that was like school for you know when you're t- teeny tiny but it wasn't like school it was like daycare i don't know i just remember like i guess it does leave more of an impression on you when you go through such a transition where you do right. feel like okay i am you know somewhere that's that's a little different and and you know, I just think energetically you do get a, like a little feel of, it's just different.
0: Yeah. So I think though, do you think you being so young and the fact that you transitioned and you guys moved to a place that had a lot of Hispanic culture helped though? I do. Maybe not for me, but for uh-huh. my
1: parents. Good. Um, because I was kind of like a blank slate being that age, you know, and I was going to get accustomed to wherever I was going to be moved to at that age, you know, to me, it would have, that just ended up becoming my norm. But for my parents, I think it was a little bit more difficult. And of course, I, I do see how, you know, for me, it was more relatable to be in that scenario. I never felt like an outcast or I never felt like I had this like very different background than everybody else. Um, even when we moved a little bit up North where it was um, less Spanish, um, less Latin Americans around, it was like, still y- 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 there was a lot of them, you know, it, it wasn't scarce. Yeah. So I do think that that prevented me from feeling as if there was something different about me or something that was What maybe someone that would would be in a different scenario would consider like off, you know, their background wasn't strictly from the United States or you know whatever country they are residing in.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's good that it was. It helps your parents because I know people that moved from, let's say, Arizona, where there's a lot of Hispanic. They're close to Mexico, and then. You go all the way to say like, I don't know Nebraska or something like you know like or you're going to Maine and like yes. there's not a lot of that I know of. I don't know everything, uh, but I don't think there's a lot of Hispanic in most parts of Maine. So that would be a big, huge shock. And like you said, you don't. It would be hard to transition when you don't feel like you fit in, and that's with everything in the world, you know. So. Um, when you say, cause your, your accent is so pretty, um, Catalan or so what's the difference between Spanish and Catalan? Is it similar or? No,
1: actually it's funny. Most people don't know about this. Um, it's such a small colony that came out of that area. Um, when you go to Barcelona, it is very much divided into two. There's people that are from Catalunya which speak Catalan. And then there's people from Barcelona, Spain, which speak Spanish. And it's funny because a lot of times they won't want you to speak Catalan if they're from Barcelona or vice versa. So that is nothing like Spanish. Uh, I don't know where it came from. I should probably do a little bit of research on that. Um, But it's... um, doesn't, it's not like Portuguese, where if you know Spanish, you can kind of get away with like understanding somebody that's speaking Portuguese. It's it's nothing like that. It's, it's more, it's closer to, um, I, I want to say like, if you speak Spanish and you're speaking to someone that's speaking French, that's how little you'll be able to know, you know, it's just, there's just too much of a difference. And I, I don't know exactly the background on how that, uh, language came about I would love to actually this is probably going to prop me into looking into it awesome. but it is very different and you know they were colonized by um, Spain and taken over and the language I think is dwindling down a lot more so
0: oh, that's sad yeah. so but that's awesome that your dad is keeping it alive because he speaks it so uh, when your mom and dad met well he speaks both you said he speaks Spanish as well is that okay because I was going to say how do they communicate I wonder (laughs) yeah
1: well basically because they took over because uh Spain took over they are all forced to learn Spanish everything is in Spanish now and so if you know Catalan you know Spanish but you don't always but not everyone that knows Spanish knows Catalan
0: oh that's sad I'm sorry There's so many different countries and stuff. There's even countries that used to be countries that aren't even countries anymore. And people, you know, colonized. And my ex-boyfriend, it's not the same, but he's from Africa, from Ghana. And like one country will be French colonized beside him. He was British colonized. And the other is for, I mean, you know, and so like, even though they're like five minutes apart from each other, certain parts of the countries and they're tiny, some of them are tiny, they might not even speak the same language. So they all kind of learned each thing, but, um, but yeah. And, but I think with everything, like even I used to live in Germany and they have dialects as well, or like, if you go to Austria and you go to, you know, so I think a lot of, um, Spanish speaking even say stuff a little bit different. Um, yeah. So my friend is, um, they're from Spain. And so I wonder, I'm going to ask her about this, if that's okay with you, uh, because yes. I'm interested. So she's from Spain um, and she says that some of the other people that speak Spanish, speak better Spanish than her, but I think she speaks really good. Well, cause I, this is my Spanish ready. Everybody laugh at me. Um, <laughs> it's really bad. I'm embarrassed that I'm doing this in real life. Okay. Okay. So this is how bad this, and I take Duolingo. Okay. That's a disclaimer. <laughs> Yo hablo poquito espanol. That's how bad my Spanish is. Um, but I try. That's I, good. I, oh, it's so slow. I talk like a turtle, <laughs> but, but anyway, so she was talking to a patient yesterday and she was saying yellow, like ice but he didn't understand what she was saying. Like, and he both, they both spoke Spanish. So I think like, there's a lot of little words. Do you feel that sometimes like people might say different words, a little bit different? Oh
1: yeah. Every like for um, simple words, like a banana is different for every country, you know? Um. So It's like if you just nothing alike. So if you're talking to someone that, you know, is from a different country and they're trying to explain to you what, you know, a banana is, you might not understand what it is. You have to ask them like, what did you say? And then they'll tell you and then they'll try and tell you in your language or they know, you know, not your language, but from your country. So they know that in your country, they use a different word, then they'll kind of, um, Change their words so that you can understand.
0: That's so awesome, and I think that's so intelligent because, like, once you're aware, oh wait, you don't use that, then you can ad- adjust and adapt. So, your parents—I know you were little, but do you recall at first, like, how they adjusted or what changes they had to to make? to live in Florida from and where you guys moved from Venezuela is that where you came from after you were born okay i wasn't sure yeah. if you guys went somewhere else first and then
1: yeah yeah so i mean um the question was if my parent like if i can remember oh. how my parents adjusted yeah okay so i mean i always have this huge sense of gratitude for my parents because i just think What they went through was so difficult. And I think anybody that is foreign that had their parents bring them here should have such a huge sense of gratitude because what they had to leave behind, you know, everything they were accustomed to family, like bringing themselves into a brand new version of the world, because it really is a different world. Um, it's not the same world. It's, it's, it's totally different. And I think it's, it's hard. It's hard for any parent that, that speaks a different language that has to get accustomed to a new language, to new processes, to new food, you know, it's just, I have so much gratitude for them having moved here. And, you know, especially my mom, because she had a very close tight knit family you know she has many brothers and sisters and she left all of them she came here to be by herself and raise a family Um, and my dad you know he has a brother but the brother also moved here so it wasn't as as difficult plus he had his parents in Spain um, so he was always kind of like far away from them but it's definitely hard, you know, and, and I can't imagine what it would be like to upheave your life and have to learn from scratch in your twenties or thirties or forties or at any age, to be honest, it doesn't make a difference. It's still going to be just as hard and have to just, you know, get get a license, you know, even that, you know, learn how to drive in a different country. It There's so many things that you have to start from zero after you've built a life already, after you have your, you know, your friends and your family and just to say, I'm going to go to this other country. And then that has provided so much opportunity for me and my siblings that, you know, I I can't even imagine what my life would have been like had I grown up in that country and in Venezuela. And it's, it's just flabbergasting to me to think uh, everything that they had to sacrifice. And I did see it throughout my um, adolescence, because it was a little bit more difficult. I didn't pick up on it so much when I was younger. But I could see, you know, that it was harder for my mom to make friends. Um, I don't think she really had that many friends, maybe the first 10 years of her life. Because again, we moved to an area where it was a little bit more Standard to be from the US. And, um, but, but it was a better area. So, again, she sacrificed even just moving from an area that was like Miami, where it was predominantly Hispanics to an area where it wasn't. That's another sacrifice. And it was a better area to grow up in. So, just all together, I think there was just so much sacrifice. And as a child of that, I do think that it does play into a little bit of your subconscious because you know that your parents have a little bit more of a struggle to go to whether or not you comprehend it um it still doesn't change that you you have some sort of an indicator that you feel that you know your parents are a little bit of an outcast and maybe that um that can be mitigated when you live in areas like Miami where it is so much. I know in different areas, you know, like I know in uh, New York, there's like a Chinatown where people, you feel like you're, you're like in in China, you know? So I think that sense of having to uh, move yourself into such a different space gets mitigated a little bit when it has such a high concentration of people that are coming from the same culture, Um, But I don't know how, how often that happens out of all the people that have, you know, migrated and all the foreigners that come here. I think most people come here and, you know, they're in a, a brand new situation with people that don't speak the same language.
0: Yeah, I think it's really brave because, I mean, I've moved from the north to the south. So that was totally different to me. I'm like, what in the heck? Um, And I moved from Baltimore to this little tiny town in Ohio and there was no culture, no diversity, no nothing. And I was like, this is horrible. And I, I missed the Maryland, like in Maryland, like you said, like they have a a Chinatown in Baltimore, but it's not as big as New York's, but, but that's how it was. That There was like neighborhoods of, different cultures so like there was like a whole block of Jamaican you know stores and food and all this stuff and then that's how it was like um but everybody got along basically I mean anybody could go there of course but it was just predominantly whatever you know so I went from that to like no offense I know this is live to almost everybody being white and I know I'm white but I'm I grew up as a military kid. I was used to like all kinds of cultures. And I, I honestly was like, Oh my goodness. It was different, you know? And so, and that was only a few States away. And then moving from the North to, to Georgia. um, It's weird. Everybody says, ma'am, it's weird. (laughs) I'm 41, you know, (laughs) They're like that's what we say. I don't know. Do they say Florida? Do they say a lot of "Ma'am" in Florida? No, no. It's I just I be. Yeah, I love it when they do. Though I'm like, oh, that's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Okay, so if a 90 year old calls you "Ma'am," it's really offensive. I think <laughs> like I should be calling you "Ma'am." Uh, really? <laughs> so I have like cute little patients that will call me ma'am and stuff. And I feel like if they're older than me, they shouldn't call me ma'am, but this is my opinion. Uh, (laughs) But everybody from the South, like they have, they, well, maybe not Florida, but like, uh, like Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, like a lot of them, that's how they grew up. And they feel like they have to, that's respect, you know, but um, so you are awesome. And I was Um looking Yes, you are. I, I was looking at your, uh, this sounds like a stalker, but not like that. And it's your Instagram. Do you still do like aerial stuff or? Yeah,
1: I do. Oh, yes. okay.
0: <laughs> so how did you get into that?
1: Um, my gosh, I don't, I, I actually, there was a random yoga aerial class in Miami, I, I lived in L.A. for a while and L.A. was really when I got into it um, because it was used more as an art than um, a yoga practice because they incorporated dance into it. So I just continued to do it and they have great uh, instructors there. There's a lot of people that that know what they're doing in L.A. And I really just got into it as a sport that I felt like was a good challenge And I mean, I'm not, I'm not the greatest still, but it's, it's fun. And, you know, I think it's important for people to find something where they can do something physical that doesn't require them to feel like it's a chore. And this is definitely that you use a lot of mental thinking to, you know, understand when you're upside down, where your feet are going, where, especially when you're spinning. So it's a lot, a lot of moving parts that you surprisingly have to use your mind for that I didn't know how rusty I was until I did that and especially when you have to learn moves and just it's a great
0: sport that's awesome so it takes a lot of core muscles though right yeah yeah I can imagine um I always wanted to do it but I feel like I would break it or something no (laughs) I like to also you don't you might not know this about me the audience does I like to joke. I did comedy. So, um, okay. like a lot of my set was me making fun of myself. So anyway, <laughs> no, but I, um, I, I wanted to try a lot of things. There's like this bungee exercise that they do. Like when you're on the bungee cord and it's like a stretching thing. So they, oh,
1: so, it.
0: yeah, I don't know what it's called. I'm sorry. Um, uh, yeah, but it's really like I've always wanted to do that and because I'm like I used to be flexible but I'm not as flexible as I was um but I was like I want to do that but I never have done it I I think I've seen a couple classes like in Atlanta area there's everything like I'm sure there's the aerial stuff but I've always wanted to learn how to do that as well But is it it really fun too? Or is it hard? Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. I mean, you have to get used to hanging upside down. Um, so that part, I think in the beginning can feel a little scary, but once, once you're used to it, it's just a matter of building strength because you're not afraid of it anymore. Although I did get hurt recently, but, um, but it, it was more a burn. It wasn't, it, there's really no um, risk in it, but except for if you, cause, cause you're always kind of like wrapped one way or another, whether it's your leg or, you know, around your, um, your torso, but I did slip and then I got more of a rug burn, but you know, that that's not anything that's, that's huge, but yeah, I mean, you definitely need to, you have to, work on your core a lot because that's what you use yourself to pull yourself up. And I, even now, you know, if I don't do it for a while, I can feel that I have to go back to working out and and build up the core and then be able to do the things that, but to be honest, you know, there's all, all types of people that, that do aerial, old, young, All body types, and it's not like people that are fit that just do it. And it's just once you have like certain moves down, it really is easy from that point forward.
0: It doesn't look easy. (laughs) I um I am a huge fan of America's Got Talent. So there's a few of the aerialists, and the one young um guy, I think he he won or he won Aiden. He won the um he was the, the superstar. Scenario Yes. Oh. He he taught himself in his grandma's backyard with sheets. And wow. He, yes. And he was amazing. Like <laughs> you have I have to look him up. I think his name is Aiden. And um, he was fantastic. And but he they scare me because. Like, oh, there's this couple that does it too, but so when you're going so fast and then you are, you're unraveling and then you stop, is that all your core muscles or how do you, how does that happen? I mean, this is not supposed to be what the episode's about, but I'm getting the tangent. I'm really excited and <laughs> fascinated. So when you're, you know what I'm saying? When you're coming down some and then- Oh, you, like when you um, drop? Yeah. So how do you- stop is it the length of it is it just your muscles that stop it or
1: um well there's two different types there's a hammock and then there's the silks they're both okay technically like considered silks but silks is just it's it's more like two ribbons that hang down and then the hammock is one and it just kind of loops up. oh so with the hammock what stops you is you know when you get to the bottom portion of the loop then it you know like you're you're stopped But when you're on the silks, which I don't do as much of, you're usually stopped by something that's wrapped um, in that one or both of the silks. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's your leg or your torso or, you know, your your, um, thighs are wrapped around it. And then once you reach that level of friction where it pulls that area where it's wrapped around, then, then you stop right there. And like I said, with the hammock, you just stop kind of when you reach the bottom of it.
0: Wow. That's cool. I always wondered that. So I figured I would ask you. Yeah. I'm, because it seems like it's so fast. Like in it, when you're watching it, I am, I'm very silly. So I get really like infested and in stuff and I get scared that they're going to get hurt. So like, I mean, and there's nothing underneath. Like a lot of them, there's like no mat, no net no nothing yeah. you're just like yeah, yeah. Brrr, like yeah uh, I don't know I'm very animated I apologize <laughs> but it's it scares me but I I love watching it it's gorgeous but I'm just like they're brave and you are brave too uh Adriana you're brave
1: I haven't met so I'm not that brave
0: oh but. good no that's <laughs> still bright. you're still like no you're still coming down it's still brave so <laughs> Speaking of that stuff and core and everything, how important to you is health and wellness and like staying healthy and all that?
1: I think it's really important. Um, I I look at health like, you know, a, a one time thing. You have this vehicle that you were given. I don't believe we are of our bodies. I believe we're in our bodies, you know. So we're just we're we are um handed this gift that a lot of us they don't we don't really understand not not because we're trying to damage ourselves but because we don't know any I'm so sorry my dog. It's That's okay so sure. good. Sorry. So um it's not so much because we don't understand or don't want to take care of our bodies. I just think it's, it's, it's just not been incorporated into our level of thinking. Um, and I really do believe that there is like a subconscious level where we've been hacked, where society has taken the way that we perceive food and changed it for the betterment of corporations and profit. Um, You know, and a lot of that goes back to the pyramids that we were taught, like the nutritional pyramids that we were taught in school, which were so skewed and, and untrue, because, you know, we shouldn't be eating as many carbs as we were told in school that we should be eating. So, I mean, I really look at health as we have this responsibility to take care of this gift that we've been given. And every time that we make a decision that's harmful for our bodies, it's like, you know, we're harming our vehicle. We're we're throwing a rock at what, what free car we've been given. And, you know, most uh, everyone's been given a brand new top of the line Ferrari. And everyone only looks towards one person, like, you know, that social media girl or, the the girl on the magazine, or, you know, men that are actors, we only look at those people and think, wow, they're so lucky to have, you know, this, this look or this body or to maintain themselves. And it's really, um, everybody has that everyone has that capability of being, you know, in that state of health. And of course, we're all very unique. And we shouldn't strive to be like those people that we see over there, we, uh, you know, on those, um, magazine covers or social media, but we should be only so thankful that we do have a vehicle, you know, and, and that we are healthy. And I think, you know, as we go through unraveling the things that we've been taught, which is very important, you know, like I was taught that cereal should be eaten at breakfast, you know, and, and that's actually one of the most harmful things you can do. Um, So I used to, just eat because i was taught that i should eat in the morning in the afternoon and at night but no one ever taught me to listen to my body whether or not it was even hungry to begin with you know there's some days where i wake up and i'm I, i listen to my body and it tells me what it wants there was actually a study that was done on orphans where they were fed um a um a variety of foods. They 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 could. It was like a buffet style. They could choose whatever foods that they wanted to be to eat, and most of those children actually ended up naturally choosing the food that they were deficient in. So it's almost like you have this internal intrinsic, um flag that tells you, hey, you know, this is what needs to be eaten today. So whenever I do have a craving for like you know a certain fruit or a certain vegetable. I listen to it because I know that, you know, your body does try and and give you those signals where, you know, it's going to tell you like, Hey, today we should have this meal or we should have that meal. And I, and I try and listen less to what's been indoctrinated into my mind, which is false information, to be honest, as to, uh, you know, if I should eat pasta or cereal, like what I, everything that I grew up going to school, eating and seeing on TV and and going out to restaurants and eating, you know, those, those types of things is, is what we have to undo in our minds. And I don't think people realize that it's less of a physical thing and more of a mental thing. You have to mentally take inventory of what you've been taught that's false information that you have been subconsciously living your life by and your mind will naturally trigger you to crave those foods because that's what they're meant to do. They're meant to keep you hooked. They're meant to, for you to have these cravings for them. And until you can, you know, put up a stop sign and say, okay, what is going on in my mind that isn't truly me internally, but me, the, Condition me telling me what to do how how to be what to eat then that's you know that's not until you can actually make a real change in in your health and and the way you you look at food the way you think about food and it's it's really important to have that that mindset change because the shift is where where then you can see the the shift also in your in your body physically as well and and I'm not talking about look looks wise but feels wise like you feel totally different when you you know, you don't have mind fog because of the things you've eaten or, you know, you don't have stomach issues or, you know, just so many different states of being that changes when you are m- more health conscious.
0: Well, I love that. And so I need to, you're talking to me because I have <laughs> mind fog and stomach issues. Seriously. Oh. Um, so I, I, <laughs> I have been on a like roller coaster my whole life and this is not about me but I again I'm transparent I have been on a roller coaster with weight. So I was really active when I was younger. I used to play soccer from like 4 to 17 and um I did gymnastics, I did different things but I used to rock climb with my dad. Like I was very, very active. And then I had kids really young. So I had my first one at 18, dah, 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 whatever. So I let oh. a lot of things emotionally and stuff affect me. And what I like put in my body because I got to the point, like, cause I don't, I don't really drink. I don't smoke. I, you know, I don't do drugs. So it got to the point where I I had a bad day. I need to go eat something I'm not supposed to eat. Like, that doesn't fix me. And then honestly, I felt worse the next day. Just like if I did have a hangover or something uh, because of my stomach issues. And then I get sick. And I'm like, eh, um, it's not good. But I lost 60 pounds once. And then oh. I kept it off for a year. And then my brother died. And then, oh. hello, cutie. Um, cashew. <laughs> I love the name Cashew, that is so cute. <laughs> is, is it a shih tzu? Yes, he's a shih tzu. Oh, my I'm grandmother, sorry. that's okay. My grandmother had a shih tzu that lived to 21 years old. Oh, wow! Uh huh. And it her name was Buttons. Uh, uh and my grandmother, name. thank you. My grandmother lived till she was 98, she just passed away a little bit. Yeah. Wow. Oh on my that. gosh, her and buttons were living some long lives. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but <laughs> speaking of that, if I don't change my habits, I'm not, I, you know, then I won't live as long. And so, but yeah, I lost that. And then my brother died. I kept it off for a while and then I gained it really, really fast, like 50 pounds in three months. And then I just kept gaining, gaining, gaining. Then I gained, I lost 85 pounds. Wow! Then, thank you. But my joke is, I did this in stand-up that I found it almost every pound of it. But <laughs> I did not. I gained back a lot of it, but not all of it. Thank goodness. But um, COVID happened, and again, emotionally, I was like, ah. Um, and then now, so then, I lost twenty-five pounds, and I think I put back five of that. It's it's a lot. It's it's. It's hard. And then like, as I know people think this is an excuse, but it's not supposed to be, Uh, I promise. But as you get older, like literally it's harder, hormonal wise, all kinds of stuff wise. Doesn't mean that it can't happen, but it does make it more difficult. And I have a lot of joint issues, but that is related probably to food and hormones and chemicals and all this stuff. So I always go back and forth like of not eating meat because it helps my joints because it, the meat causes inflammation. So I'm on another cycle of that, of trying to not eat meat. And usually within three days, I feel better, but my joints are still like mad at me and like inflamed. (laughs) but also it doesn't help. My job doesn't help. So I'm a nurse and I'm very physical and stuff with my job. So that makes it harder too, as well. Um, but health is really, really important, especially because I take care of others. So I really need to get myself together to be a better example, which is hard mentally. Like it's hard mentally to be like, Hey, you need to do this. And people are probably thinking, well, you're not doing that, but (laughs) You know, I mean, but honestly, that's what people think. And even if I did everything right, they would still think that because of the way I look on the outside. Um, but also, I'm kind of guilty of that. There was respiratory therapists that would smoke and I would think, what the heck? Like, you're you're like, what? Why? You know, the you know, you know how bad smoking is. So why would you smoke? So yeah, so it's kind of the same thing, but I did see, I want to ask you this because I was supposed to do it a long time ago. So this episode is about all kinds of stuff, Uh, but my, um, my boyfriend did it for a while. So we follow this guy and he talks about celery juice all the time. And he is, um, He's the medical medium. I don't know if you follow him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love him. Yeah. So basically, I wanted to ask you, because I saw you drinking. (laughs) I sound like a stalker. So we he made it himself. My boyfriend, we bought the thing and he was making it himself. And again, not trying to make excuses. I'm very like film gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. So I never ever made it or drank it. Even when he was making it, he probably would have let I never did. And I need to because I need to get the toxins out of my system. I need to, you know, but I saw that you had one and it's pre-made already, or do like so, buy it at the store?
1: Okay, so <laughs> Sorry. That was a little bit of a faux pas on my ends because when I first started following the medical medium and I started doing uh, his protocols, I didn't realize, but well, you can't do the celery juice with lemon or water. It has yeah. to be fresh. Oh. And there's very little places that do that. Um, even when I go to a juice place, it's, I would say maybe only like of them do fresh celery juice and only one of them that I know of does organic fresh celery juice. So it is a little hard, I mean, to find if you're going to go out there to buy it, but it's better to do it at home and just to kind of zoom out a little bit in in like the, the health picture. um, I would say like the number one advice that I have for trying to wean off of things that are preventing us because we're, we're not meant, we're wired in such a way that we're supposed to want to eat food. Like we, it's hard for us to see something yummy and to think, I don't want it. You know, we're not hardwired that way because back in the day, you know, we were, we didn't know when we were going to see our next meal. So if we saw, you know, a batch of strawberries on the floor, we would immediately get a craving for it because we needed we needed to want to eat those things so that we can eat it and then you know we can be hungry for you know for that moment and then we'll be okay for however long until we can find the next place to find food so we get triggered just by seeing some something by seeing food we'll get triggered to want it so once we are able to understand okay this is how Our bodies work. The way that it's going to be triggered is if I see food, I'm going to want it. So the first thing I would say is like, don't buy anything from the grocery store that isn't healthy because you're always going to be tempted. And it's natural. It's natural for you. There's nothing wrong with you. I think people are hard on themselves when they buy like a whole thing of chocolate chips or Oreos and Chocolate chip cookies or Oreos, and there's it's sitting in front of them, and then they end up eating the whole bag. Like that's what we're meant to do. We're meant to want to eat that so we can survive. But unfortunately, we're not in that survival mode anymore from back in the caveman days. We have a plethora of food at any given moment that we can eat. So now what our problem is is the opposite. You know, we don't have enough food, but we do still continue to have the cravings when we see the food. So I always I always stay away from buying anything, even if I tell myself, okay, I'm going to eat a little bit now. And then a little bit later, you just have to understand the part of your brain that makes that decision to eat is almost like, like until you really practice it, it's not within our control. I mean, you have to have a very, very good sense of self-regulation and that comes with a lot of practice and a lot of time. And even, even the most self-regulated people that I know, will say to me, I can't buy peanut butter because if I do, I'll eat the whole thing. You know, I know people that have like barely any body fat percentage on their body and they know that they can't bring home peanut butter because that'll be the end of, you know, them being that fit. So I think that is, you know, first and foremost, like if you want to treat yourself, you know, I would say go when you go out to eat, then allow yourself that time. But whatever you do, like, don't bring it home because bringing it home is where you're going to be triggered. And and then you're going to have that guilty feeling that you mentioned the next day. You're like, oh, why did I do that? And you feel down on yourself because you're like, okay, I, you know, I failed at this. But it's not it's not you failing. It's actually your body is doing what it's meant to do. So, you know, we shouldn't be hard on ourselves either. And then, as so far as medical medium goes, when I started following his protocols was when I really started being, like, as the the most healthy as far as, like, um having mental clarity and a regimen because I, you know, I've always been health conscious, but to the level that he brings to the table, there's just things that you just don't think about. Like, going back to peanut butter, that there's, like, terrible oils that that are in peanut butter that we should avoid at all costs i mean any um seed oils are horrible but you know we don't know these things so until we take the step to understand again what the industry is doing to us because it's a lot less of like what we do to ourselves and more of what the world has implanted into our lives because if it wasn't for you know, the, the food industry, putting so much crap into foods, we wouldn't have this problem that we have now, you know, we wouldn't be where we're at. And, and we almost have to, um, we, we have to question, we have to question, even the FDA, you know, it's, they don't have our best interests in mind. And I'm not a conspiracy theorist either. But I know that, a lot of these programs, they function off of being profitable and having people pay them. And that's why they, they stick around because they have a billion dollar corporation paying them to say something that the world is going to, and, you know, I hate to say it, but I mean, they're going to eat it right up, you know, pun intended. So mm-hmm. it's definitely something that we, we have to think outside of the box. Um, and and we can't be hard on ourselves. And, and I do look at people that have stayed in the cycle of, you know, thinking, oh, this is Cheerios that's healthier than the Frosted Flakes, you know, because they make it look so good on the packaging. Like, oh, yeah, this is the better version. Let me do that version. But once you condition your body to not even crave that, and there is, you can get there and it is uncomfortable to get there, but everything goes back to neuroplasticity, which is your brain rewiring itself, and we're all capable of that. There's nothing about me that's you know any better than the next person. It's just that I took the time and the effort to tell my brain. And so, the way our brain goes is, you know, we have we have a trigger. So, let's say we see a food, right? And that trigger. In our minds, okay, we see the food, our eyes see it, it goes into our brains and tells our brain what to do with that information. Just, same thing will happen with someone like that's an ex-boyfriend or someone that you used to love, like you, your what you see goes through your eyes and tells your brain what to feel. So based off of the object that you're looking at, your brain will have a reaction to it. And a lot of times when, you know, I used to not be able to walk by cotton candy and, and not want to eat the whole pack, you know, and now I can walk by it. And I don't think twice of it. As a matter of fact, when I put it in my mouth, I think it's too much. Like, I think it tastes a little bit more like chemicals than anything else. But it's a matter of that I took the time and the effort to stop my brain from going down the path of thinking, ooh, cotton candy, yummy, I want it, let's eat it, this is going to feel good to like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not going to do it this time. Uh, you know, and the next time I didn't do it again, and then I didn't do it again. And, and you know, you kind of have to tell yourself little by little, I, I don't want to want this. And eventually, when you see it, your brain will be like, nope, don't want it. You know, but it doesn't just happen from here to there. It, it'll it happen, you know, from here, then a little bit here, then a little bit there, a little bit there. And then little by little, you start breaking down those connections that you have through the synapses in your brain that tells your body how to crave something or what to crave so you'll no longer see that and be like oh my gosh I want it and it doesn't have to do with like the person it has to do with like the time and the effort and and your ability to be uncomfortable if you're willing to face discomfort and say I'm going to be okay with this right now because there's a benefit then you'll be able to on the other side of that have that benefit you know there's a saying that um goes um Uh, you either experience the pain of regret or the pain of discipline, you know, so it's either one or the other, you're going to experience one pain, you know, one pain is discipline, which is uncomfortable, and it can be difficult. But you give up the pain of guilt, or you can, you know, forego being disciplined and indulge and then go through the pain of feeling guilty, but you're always going to have something that you're going to have to face one or the other. So you might as well face the pain that's going to bring you a better outcome than, you know, something that is, is going to put your, your life in, in a detriment eventually.
0: That is a great point. Um, because like any addiction, it's it's hard either way. It's hard to get over it. It's really really hard to get over it. But it's hard to live in it too. So which one is going to be worse for you? Like right? Like exactly. So me, um, giving up whatever. Uh, and I do the hard thing is I do really good. Like I'm not a soda drinker. I'm not a and I never have been. There's a lot of things I do really good but with my body type, the stuff I do bad all outweighs the stuff I do good. Like, cause I just walked four over four miles earlier. So I, it's not that I'm not active. I do it while my days off, I walk three to four miles. Mm-hmm. Um, but I need more for my body. So I have to do yeah. more. And when I was doing more, that's how I lost a lot of the weight, but I started having a lot more joint issues because I was doing the wrong types of workouts for my body. So I was doing the HIIT and it actually was making my joints worse because it was too much of an impact for my body. So at that time and the stage that I was in, so, I mean, I lost weight, but then I couldn't barely walk. So, (laughs) so You have one thing, right. So you have to find a proper like medium of whatever it is. So, um, but eating natural stuff, of course, is way better than eating all the processed stuff. And look up, look into things. And like, once you do, like, I actually picked up something the other day in front of people, they were laughing at me. I think I was at work and it was like something that is sort of, you think is healthy. I think it was like hummus and pretzels and it was 41 carbs. And I went, what the heck? Like, that's horrible. I could eat a thing of fries and it would equal or be less than, which is still bad. It's horrible and fried. I know that, but I'm just saying it's less of carbs than the healthy stuff. And so, you know, and then it's just like with everything, you have to weigh out your your options and do stuff that benefits you. And I love the whole thing with the car because that's awesome, but it's a great way to think. So if you think like, okay, right now I might look like a hoopty. I'm just joking. I like to joke. I might look like a hoopty, but my original car type is a Ferrari. So that's a great way to motivate yourself to say, Hey, no, and tell yourself every day, I like to say, trick yourself. That's what I do with my coaching. I'm like, you have to trick your mind sometimes, and then it will become that. But at first you have to like, you know, to change your mindset, like you said, you have to think that the other way, think that you already have the other thing. So if I think all the time, I love that you said that again the Ferrari thing. If I wake up and look at myself, I'm a Ferrari. I'm a Ferrari. I'm a Ferrari. I'm going to work harder towards becoming that Ferrari because I'm starting to believe it. So that was so awesome. Thank you for saying that. And it helped me too, uh, because, um, I mean, our vehicle, like whatever we put in it, you wouldn't put in 87 gas in a premium tank right Would I don't think you should do that so it could ruin your car right Absolutely. so that was that makes so much sense like you wouldn't so like putting in crap and sugar and junk and all that stuff you were saying with the cereal and all that and continuously feeding your Ferrari that your Ferrari is gonna go Ugh.
1: yeah <laughs> eventually and then yeah And then you wake up one day in the hospital or, you know, like, you know, my mom with COVID and she, you know, she had one wish. One of the wishes she had was for me to get her um, wheatgrass shots. And I knew where that was coming from. It was like her last, like, actionable item that she could do to try and undo what she had done that was not healthy for her body but one day you're gonna need your Ferrari to turn on and it's not it's not gonna turn on because you didn't give it an oil change and you know you didn't change the tires and, and and maybe it'll turn on for a little bit but as you're driving it's gonna have its issues on the way and every two seconds you have to stop and you know jump start it for example and that's no way to live either you know and you have to definitely treat it like it's some like a gift from god because it really is and and a lot of people take it for granted because we're able to continue to to drive and get from point a to point b feeling unstabbed you know we don't feel that we're being we're damaging because it's not happening in real time but underneath the hood you know the uh, transmission is starting to go bad. The, you know, the engine, I mean, I don't know how the, the, the engine stuff works, but you Mm -hmm. know, there's just things that start happening that maybe you don't know and that you don't know that, Hey, I need to start making sure I take care of this. And even just, you know, the exterior, like we're, we're throwing rocks at it. We're damaging everything around it. You know, every time we have something unhealthy, it's, it is damaging your vehicle. And until the day that we have this awakening that makes us understand what really matters, and one of them being health, most of us will continue to quote unquote, enjoy life and just, you know, eat the donut and have the cereal. And then one day the bill is going to come for us to pay for those choices that we made. And and many of us will say, I wish, you know, I could have done things this way or that way. And another thing I don't think people think about is, you know, the implications it has on your family too, because when you're older and you you have an accumulation of bad decisions facing you, it's, it's more so going to face your family when they're going to be the ones that are going to have to suffer through seeing you either you know go in the hospital or pass away or or have such a hindrance that it puts a hindrance on their lives to have to take care of you because you selfishly made the decisions and i don't mean you by the way i mean gen- in general the person, made,
0: <laughs> the
1: person made the decisions the poor decisions that was so self-serving in the moment never gave thought to the other person that they might be affecting when they're older. And now that person has to become a full-blown caretaker where it, it changes their lives and and it inhibits them from living a normal life because now they have to take care of, you know, their adult um, parent that has, you know, whatever hindrance that they might come about when, when they come of older
0: age. I'm sorry for your loss by the way. Thank Um, you. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Um, So really quick, since we're talking about health and everything and we talked about your mom, when you were going through that and you were grieving and you found out that your father had cancer, that must have been like a that's hard and a rude awakening. Did he does he eat healthy or how did your father beat cancer? And we'll talk, I know we're almost done with the episode, but if you want to talk about it really quick, it might help somebody.
1: Yeah, of course. I would love to. Um, yeah, so my mom got COVID in 2021 and I was at the time living in LA. I flew back here. She was already in the hospital. I was never able to see her again before the last time I saw her, they wouldn't let me in the hospital. And it was, it was honestly one of the worst, I mean, the worst experience of my life. Um, and I think that's one of the worst things that can happen to anyone that has a loved one passing away where someone is, um, is, or, or, you know, the, the world isn't letting you see, you know, your loved one. But yeah. So she was in the hospital for three or four weeks. And in that time, I found out that my dad also had cancer. He had prostate cancer. Wow. And it was like, oh, I was I was not in a good place. And I just I realized just everything that didn't matter. It was very strange because I had a moment of clear understanding of what mattered in life it was like everything that i thought mattered was just like no that doesn't matter only these things matter and only very few things matter there's only like three or four things that matter and i don't know how many people get to this point where they realize that we're all living in in almost like a simulation and we in our minds makes us think that certain things matter but they don't Um, but I had that moment because I felt like my world was just being taken away completely. And it, it, uh, put things into perspective in such a way where I was, I was like, why am I even living? Because I don't feel, I don't feel like I want to continue to ever have a moment to experience this pain again. You know, why would I put myself out there to continue to be vulnerable to this kind of pain? And it was worse than any physical pain I could ever feel. And I didn't understand what life was and why we were here and why we had to experience these hardships. Now I have, you know, grown past that and I do see things differently. My dad thankfully was able to beat the cancer. Uh, Prostate cancer is one of the most beatable cancers that you can get. Um, But you know, I think he took a hard look at his decisions in his life that led the cancer to come about. And I do think um a lot of it has to do, you know, in in my opinion and also what he looks back on is a lot of the oils that they were using to to cook and things and to when you go out to restaurants, how they reuse oils and oils is just such a culprit and um it, it is It's a terrible, terrible thing to ingest into your body amongst other things, but that's like the top, one of the top things that you can do that's unhealthy for your body. And he did radiation for, I think it was like about a month and, you know, it wasn't easy. um, And he definitely had some physical changes that he, you know, had to battle with and then eventually got better. Um, and then once he did get better, I was like so terrified of losing my dad. I was I was overprotective to the point where I was like, You're not allowed to go here, you're not allowed to go there, you have to and I would make him celery juice. And I was like, I wouldn't, I didn't want anything to happen to him. But eventually I got to the point where it's like I can't control it. You know, it it is not something I do believe when it's somebody's time, it's their time, and you can't stop it. You can't put somebody in an incubator and try and think that you're going to prevent the impossible. Um, But I do think that there are life decisions that you can make that are going to pay off for yourself and for your family, but more for your family, you know, because once you're gone, you're, you're gone, you know, You're, you're not grieving anymore. You're in peace, but those people that stick behind, if there isn't, untimely death and there are your loved ones that have to sit there and grieve over you it is very 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 hard and you know I always whenever I go over my dad's place I'm like you know what's what are these cookies doing here you know I try (laughs) to help him as much as I can but still I I have you know let go of it more and more I don't say as much because you can't control people um but I do think, you know, if you can have a positive influence and I always try and educate him and, and show him what's good and, and what's bad for him. And I want him around as long as possible. One of the biggest factors that they say, um, and it's proven, the number one indicators is the relationships in your life. And it, it has such a prominence over your health um, that it, it, it's, it's more influential on your health than um, when you do any physical activity or what you eat. So I kind of tried to focus a little bit more on making sure that, you know, he's doing things that are keeping him happy. And, you know, trying to, you know, make sure that he has positive influences in his life. And just in general, keeping his overall attitude and other relationship with him and I is always, you know, constant, constant every day, you know, I try and keep in touch with him. And, you know, him and his wife, he's remarried now, but him and his wife have a great relationship. And just those, those things are the most important. So I think, you know, making sure that a person that, you know, is elderly in your life has good relationships is first and foremost. And obviously the healthy part too, is good to, to try and educate them on how to be um, the best versions of themselves. So.
0: That's awesome. I'm glad that he is doing good now and i just want to say this really quick from a holistic standpoint not a nursing standpoint because nursing is about the radiation and the chemo and stuff and but there's also mushrooms if you have cancer um get rid of the sugar because cancer lives off of the sugar um actually lots of stuff lives off of the sugar but eat all natural stuff i had a patient that actually got cancer-free from changing her whole entire diet. Wow. Her whole family did it with her. It was amazing. Um, she, she literally did not eat anything with sugar. I mean, natural, like a fruit or something, but like nothing added sugar, no fake, no processed food. And she she beat the cancer. And without doing chemo, without doing radiation, it was the most awesome. I was so happy for her but also mushrooms. Chaga is a good mushroom. There's a lot of mushrooms that you can take They have it at whole foods. Um, I don't know. There's probably better versions of it, but they sell the, even the mixed ones where they have the different mushrooms, but they can kill cancers. I'm not guaranteeing this. I'm not a expert on it. I'm just saying that's what I've had experiences with people that have used those as well. Anything has a natural I'm not going to say cure because there's no cure, but natural, like remedy or whatever for stuff, a cold, uh, whatever you can do natural stuff. Aloe is a great plant to help you with a lot of things. Like, so look those things up, invest in yourself, be your own advocate. Something that I love as a nurse is that I'm a patient advocate. And that's my most important job is to advocate for my patients, but also my kids. And, and I lack in advocating for myself. I lack in it, but the whole thing is please look into stuff. If you get diagnosed with something, research, 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 look up everything, tell the doctors, I want to figure it out first. Okay. So thank you for, this is went off on a different way, but I'm so Mm -hmm. glad that hopefully somebody listening, this is helping them or their family member, like you said, but, um, just, can you tell us where can we find you like your social media or whatever you want to tell?
1: Oh, okay. So my, my Instagram is the Adriana Cabanas. Um, and then my Facebook is Adri Cabanas, but I usually use more Instagram
0: than Facebook. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so, so, so much for coming on. And thank you for talking about so many awesome things. Like we really covered a lot and, um, I'm sorry again for the loss of your mother and, you. and I'm so glad that your father is doing well. And by the way, he took mushrooms. Oh, really? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. yeah, That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. I've that. heard, I know a lot of people at work for them. So that that's so great. And so I, I'm glad that that worked. Thank you for saying that because you might be listening right now and you're thinking like, cause that word, the C word is, it makes your whole life flip upside down. Um, uh, yeah. but there, there are options. There's other options. There's natural options. So just look at everything and weigh your options. Um and there's surgery of course if they can take the to- the mass out or the tumor out there's lots of different things. I work in the recovery room so the surgeries are really beneficial and help a lot of people um but there's also other things that you can do. Um thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you for- it was a pleasure. You're welcome. You have a great day. Thank you. you Bye. Bye. listening to Authentic Points of View podcast. I hope that something you heard today changes your point of view. If you would like to share your views, please email me at view at gmail.com or leave a comment on Facebook at Authentic Points of View podcast. Remember, always be mindful of other people's journeys and have open ears and an open heart.